And cool. Today, so we, we've kind of started in these early chapters from 56 onwards, um, and we've seen something of, uh, of, of the true and false nature of the call, um, that, you know, that there is a true call of God, many false calls in our world. But then we see the one who can deliver the truth of the kingdom, and that is Jesus, the king himself. Does anybody love Jesus? And uh, these chapters, they're painting a portrait for us of Jesus as a sovereign conqueror. You know, we've seen Jesus painted for us in the book of Isaiah in many, many ways. Uh, we've seen him exalted. We've seen him in, in the glories of heaven. We've seen him come into our world as one to serve and to suffer as he serves. And just the beauty of that picture. And here now we're seeing him, him as a sovereign conqueror. And we'll see him again uh, as we progress through these chapters. But right in the center of, of what we're looking at, chapter 60, 61, 62, we see how God is going to deliver the promise of his kingdom. And um, these chapters, they are really encouraging. And so I would, I would really just direct you, look at these chapters, drink deep of these chapters, consider them, and let's open them up together for these next few minutes. And we move into these chapters. And here, in what we've had read for us today, we see really, um, above all else, and shot through everything else, the, the revelation of the glory of God. And if there's one thing that we're to understand from the, these words for us today, is that God is glorious. Amen. He is forever glorious. And do you know, you know we, we live in a world that, that perhaps um, worships you know, as, as Paul said to the Roman church when he was writing to them, Roman Christians, he said, you're going to live in a world that stops worshipping the creator and worships creation. Uh, you know, and rejects truth for lies and, and his way of living for alternate ways of living. And all of these inversions and, and conversions in a poor direction, even perversions are going to come upon your world. And um, he says, this is how it's going to be. We live in a world that, that sees something of the glory of creation, and rightly that we should, but fails to ascribe that glory to the creator. And we live in a world that, you know, we, we worship one another, failing to realize that what is good and glorious about us is that we are made in the image of God. I want to encourage you that you're made in the image of God. And what we've celebrated around this table, this body of Christ broken and the blood shed, is the means for that to be revealed. Yeah? It's like a restoration of an old master painting. Not anyone can do it. It takes, it takes some real skill. It takes a real investment. You are, I was going to say you're an old master, but you probably don't want to be called old, do you? But the Bible says you are God's masterpiece. And not anybody could reveal this, just Christ Jesus. So Ephesians 2.10 says you're God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance. Uh, before you were even born into this world, before you were even conceived, before you were even conceived of in somebody's mind or heart. God made these things that you, then becoming who he made you to be, might walk in them and do them and accomplish the purposes of God in this world. There is something glorious about you, but it's because he is glorious. The one who created you. The one who has revealed your masterpiece nature. That's why there's glory in us. 
because of Christ Jesus. And we need to be people who, who absolutely maintain this truth within our hearts, within our thinking, within our attitude, and our living, our speaking, that it is God who is glorious. I show this to one another, encourage one another in these things. I tell you, that's why you're gathered here today. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, you're here to encourage one another in the truth. You're not just here to have a fun time. I hope you kind of have a fun time. But encourage one another in the truth. God is glorious. And you know, this comes as really good news. His glory, as we heard read, shining like brilliant light, it comes as good news because the light shines into darkness. In verse 2 of chapter 60, we saw darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. That was, I, I'm sorry, Jeff, but that was the one moment that Jeff kind of got the words kind of mixed together. And he said, and he said that the light of God shone on the thickness of the peoples. But I thought that was actually quite insightful. Um, I, thought, I thought maybe you had some extra commentary there, if I'm honest. Because our darkness, it's like a thickness, isn't it? You know, we're, we're, we're blinded in our minds. And this, this light of God shining comes as good news because you and I, we can't do this on our own. We cannot, not at all. Do you know, it looks worse than that. If you were to turn back into chapter 59, verses 9 and 10, this is how bad the bad news is. Therefore, justice is far from us and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold, Darkness. And for brightness, we hope for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. You know, those words could be spoken by a man of God to the people of God because the conviction of God's spirit was bringing that truth to them. The fact of the matter is everyone around them was dead as well, but they seem to be glorious in their aspirations of the here and now. Sometimes seems like that in our world. You know, you look around and, and you see those who seem to be doing well, even though they have no God in their life, they don't know Christ. You know, as we were privileged on Friday to, to marry Sam and Grace, which was wonderful, wasn't it? Wasn't that lovely? As we were privileged to, to see them united in Christ according to his purposes. The word of God to them was, don't envy those around you. Live your life before God, because he's everything. The truth of the matter is, it's not always easy to be a believer. You, know, you look around and you see those living their life according to their own lights, lesser lights, but it seems easy and they seem to be getting ahead. They seem to be prosperous. Don't envy. Don't envy. The truth of the matter is, you know, we know the gloom because God is present in us. There are many, they seem to be walking in light, but they're walking in darkness. This world knows desperate darkness. And, you know, we can convince ourselves otherwise. You know, there are many good things that we should thank God for. We live in a world that at the moment is probably around about as safe as it's ever been. You know, fewer people die of things like famines and wars and such like. I know the news media might kind of portray a different kind of perspective, but the statistics are generally pretty positive. You know, there's much that humanity has done to, to kind of tend to the symptoms of our brokenness. But here's the truth of it. 
I wake up this morning and, you know, my phone buzzes away and BBC News tells me there's been another mass shooting in the United States. Two in 24 hours. And, you know, it's a nation that is one of the most advanced on the face of the planet. But darkness still has rain. And we would do well not to fool ourselves. We become excellent at tending to our symptoms. But the disease still remains. We become excellent at at kind of forming alternate lights within our world. And yet the gloom of sin and hurt and despair still holds sway. And into this admittedly you know, dark moment, dark passage, and I'm portraying it as darkness, for it truly is, into this shines light. And I want to encourage you, believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, consider why the good news is such good news. Do you remember your own condition before Christ Jesus? Do you remember this? And do you know... Fundamentally, the Bible teaches us really, really clearly that we were still sinners, but Jesus Christ died for us, though we were ungodly. The Bible makes it even plainer and tougher than this. It says actually we were in outright and wholesale rebellion against God, and yet he still came to show us his love. The Bible says we were, we were objects of wrath. We were destined for destruction. And yet Jesus Christ came to us in that helter-skelter obscenity of life, hurtling ourselves towards uh, that desperate end. And he came and he found us and rescued us and redeemed us. You know, and you might remember your personal condition and remember some of the darknesses that had attended upon your thinking and your emotional life and, and some of the activity that perhaps you got yourself involved in before Jesus Christ. And he found you there. And I tell you, don't fool yourself if you're saying, but I was a nice person. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. There was no one righteous. No, not one. We each, like sheep, had gone astray. Each of us had gone to our own way. All of that iniquity, all of that sinfulness, all of that brokenness was laid upon Jesus Christ. And he gave us something better. Didn't he give you something better? I want to encourage you, Christian. Recognize all of these things that we've been talking about so far this morning are part of the same story. If you're wanting to share your faith, if you're wanting to share the truth about life in Christ Jesus and and it doesn't seem to come across to other people as good news, well, sometimes we as Christians, we, we get irritated with other people and we're like, well, it's good news. They should just get it. Why don't they understand that? Come on, let's flip these things on, it, on their head. Does it sound like good news to them? Does it sound like good news to the people that you're portraying Christ and speaking Christ? Because if it doesn't sound like good news, then it ain't good news. This is the truth of the matter. You know, you could tell me about the latest fantastic offering from KFC. And you could tell me, and and some of you have, one young person in this church told me that you can buy supercharger sauce by the bottle. Isn't that right, Mikey? But, and you thought you were telling me good news, but here's that you have not bought me a bottle 
So it is not good news to me, Mikey. Thumbs up. All right, one is winging its way to me. Um, hopefully not literally winging its way to me. But you can, you can describe things that are yours, but if you haven't figured out how this actually connects with those around you, come on, are we genuinely declaring good news? I want to tell you that the Bible portrays truth to us in this fashion. It says to us that we were created, and we laboured this point already, image bearers of God. The, the, the created intent and purpose of God is radiantly glorious. And you know, we Christians, we come into this world and we recognize the gloom of this world, but nine times out of ten, we Christians come and people think we're making it gloomier. They do. And honestly, I'm looking at your faces and I'm kind of agreeing. That worked for some of you. You're smiling at me now. Come on. Do you know what God made? Do you know his passion for this world and his passion for the pinnacle of his creation, his passion for the people for whom he died and shed every drop of his blood? Do you know this? Because into that context, we can understand the darkness of our world, the wretched brokenness of sin, but we can proclaim a new creation. The Bible doesn't use this kind of language absentmindedly or haphazardly. It says if anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. Because the Bible recognizes and teaches to us that creation was good. And that you and I made as the ultimate image bearers of God in creation were made very good. And although we have been perverted and utterly destroyed and devastated by sin to the extent that we were very lost. God wants to make us very good again. Again. And if he did it once, anybody know he can do it again? Come on, he's just, he just kind of grabbed a pile of dirt and did it once. Look what he's got to work with now. <laughs> you don't think much of yourself, do you? New creations. Beautiful. If it doesn't sound like good news, is it good news? Come on, what are you, what are you telling those around you? I read this cute little story, it might not be true, but there was a new vicar at a city centre church in England somewhere and he was delighted when he received an anonymous gift. Every minister is delighted when they receive... No, no, no. Um, not personally, I just want to point that out, okay? Oh, goodness. No, for the church. Um, and, and when he told the church council about it, he proposed it should be used to buy a new chandelier for the gloomy body of the church. However, it was put to a vote and the vicar was disappointed when his proposal was narrowly defeated. The vicar noted that the church council secretary had voted against the proposal and when the meeting was over, he asked the secretary why he had not supported it. The secretary said he had three reasons. First, uh, he said, I have to write the minutes of the meeting and I can't spell the word chandelier. Second, there is sure to be an argument over who should play the blessed thing. And finally, if we're going to spend money in the church, what we really need is some good lighting. <laughs> At which point, probably the vicar put in for a new post, I don't know. But Look, we can say what we think is the answer. But if people aren't understanding what we're saying, then stop convincing yourself you're telling the good news. Come on. We need to both firstly appreciate the wonder of the good news, yet more, 
I really embody that good news by the means of the spirit at work within us. And then figure out how we declare to folks that this story is of a wondrous creation. A devastating fall through rebellion. And yet through Christ, here is this redemption. He buys us out of slavery to sin at the cost of himself. Oh my goodness. Buys us for himself, for his father in glory. Entering into his family, united in his body. Filled with his spirit. Should we go on? Let's go on. Come on. Let's talk about what Jesus has done in our lives. Oh my goodness, it's good. And it's not finished yet. Because he intends to restore all things. I've made it all the way over to Justin here. And he intends to restore all things. And he's making all things new. Does anybody believe this? Come on, you see bits of it and you sometimes lose sight of the fact that he's doing it in everything. This is why the Bible talks of you as being first fruits. Yeah? You fruity bunch. And what God has done in you, he wants to do through you. Come on, remind yourself of this story and start speaking some really good news. Really good news. Now, what is the heart of the good news? What is the light that shines into the darkness? The truth of the matter is, ultimately, wonderfully, we see it at the beginning of chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The light truly is from God, but here's the wonder. It is God. Verses 19 and 20, twice we hear this truth. The Lord will be your everlasting light. You've got a tough week ahead of you? Write those words down somewhere and say to yourself over and over again, the Lord will be your everlasting light. It's him, it's forever, and it shines into the darkness. And when the light comes, what does the darkness do? scatters it's gone it flees it's begun it cannot possibly withstand light I know this truth because it's summertime and the sunshine shines a little bit through my son's curtains (laughs) and when the sun shines through my son's curtains it is no longer night day has come and he comes to me he's got this little clock and, uh, and it turns from the face of the moon and it's blue into the face of the sun and it's yellow. And, and the whole point is he's supposed to come when it gets to daytime. But summertime is confusing the poor boy. And so he'll come in in advance of such things and he'll look at me with his eager little face and he says, Daddy, I waited until the sun shined. <laughs> I, he's beautiful. I'll send him around to you. Um, <laughs> He's gorgeous, isn't he? He can probably drive. Um, Light into darkness. And it is God who is your light. The Lord is your everlasting light. None of you must have tough weeks because I haven't seen anybody write this down. But these verses, 19 and 20, write them down. The Lord is your everlasting light. This is truth. Now these verses, they help us to see what is happening repeatedly in this chapter. There's three things I want us to note most generally in this chapter of scripture. Um, Now, when Isaiah was speaking, he is what we call a prophet, okay? That is, he hears things that would otherwise be unknown of the nature and work of God. And by God's grace, he's commissioned by God to reveal them to his people. Now, primarily the work of the prophet is to the people of God sometimes. It's to others around about, uh, but it's primarily to the people of God. You're not a prophet if you're just grumbling at your neighbor. That's not prophetic. That's just nasty, okay? Primarily the 
word of the prophet is to see God's people return most wholeheartedly to him for his glory. That's the work of the prophet. Isaiah was doing this, but most of what he heard and saw from God, he did not see fulfilled. You know, most of the time that's true for the biblical prophets. They saw glimpses and snatches and brief little bits, but they didn't see the fullness of it, but they persevered. Oh goodness, they were good, eh? Don't you want to be like that? Though you might see in part, can you persevere? Because one day you're going to see in full. You're going to fully know even as you are fully known. Yeah, because you'll see Jesus. That was an exciting moment in this sermon. It's as good as it gets. Can I see Jesus? Now, what was going to happen through what he heard and saw was there was going to come a fulfillment in probably the relatively near future. But there's also going to come a complete fulfillment, back with you, Justin, in the far future. And so you've got these two things constantly, repeatedly happening in the prophetic word of God. There's an immediate reality. There's a future hope. But God also wants to do something that we'll see as well in that um, God chooses to partner with his people in the revelation and the working of his word in the world. Okay? Uh, Biblically speaking, and you you probably know a little of this from experience, is that God, in his infinite wisdom, and it must be infinite, and it must be better than us because it makes no sense to us at all, God has chosen to subject, as it were, the, the glorious expansion of his kingdom to the partnership and working of the people of the kingdom, his church. His church is his plan A for the world. And he ain't got a plan B. Uh, you might find that a little daunting, but I want to suggest to you this morning that's actually wonderful, okay? As he works his purposes out in the world. So there's the, there's the, the, the soon to be fulfilled, the let's look forward to, but then in it all, how is God working through his people? This is the lens that we can look at. Now, as we um, heard the beginning verses of our reading, we saw the people of God, this, this remnant that has stayed faithful to him, a, a restoration coming to them, a glory coming again to Israel. And, and then we see all the other nations, far and near, near and far, uh, those that they knew, those that were allies, those that were enemies, those that were enemies going back to the beginning of it all, all of them coming and bringing their riches and their splendor um, into the nations. And I don't know whether you, you kind of read all of this and you hear about all the livestock, coming and the fisheries again I thought it was really amusing when it it talked a bit about um, it talked a bit about the camels being heaped upon you and I thought for a moment I don't even know whether I want that Um, that sounds a little bit squashy but uh, all of the livestock and the fisheries and all of the the, the timber and the gold and the silver and all of these precious things coming into the nation I don't know whether you thought it sounds like they've really got a good trade policy going on there uh, maybe we need to get Isaiah into the post-Brexit negotiations. And um, sorry, I mentioned it again, didn't I? I you know, I, 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 I want to just explain. I deliberately mention Brexit quite often because I want to provoke you. Um, I don't want to provoke you to anger. So if, if that's what's happening, then please forgive me. But I want to provoke you, um, if it's at all possible, to a realization that the king is on the throne. And that your citizenship is of heaven primarily. And any other citizenship that you may or may not have, 
any other statehood, any other borders, whilst they might be given for a time and according to God's purposes, and we trust that he will do what he wants to do, they will all pass away. Do you know this? Okay, could you start to talk and act like it? Is there any chance about that? Okay, and so if I mention Brexit, can you stop looking like I've just smacked you with a fish? Okay, and you start to say, hallelujah, Jesus is my Lord, and he is holy in control of all things, and I will live as an ambassador of the kingdom to come. Because you know what, it's here now. You're not sure about that, are you? It's here now. Okay, and it's coming in greater measure. I'm going to carry on provoking you if that's all right. (laughs) It's not all right, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Because I want to love you towards Jesus. And if that means giving you a hoof in the bum, then well. Um, well I don't know what I was talking about. Um, no, this is not about trade policy in the Bible. This is not about trade policy. This is not like they've got like loads of cash and they're buying and all these things. That's not what's happening in the Bible here at all. All of this that is coming, being brought to the nation of God, into Israel, to the people of God and God using it all to beautify his city, all of these things, is becoming, not because of trade, but it is becoming because of worship. It's not coming because of the imbalance of things that we humans try to attend to by means of trade. It's not that God didn't make his world so that some people should have plenty and some people shouldn't have enough. That we should have to to distribute the wealth and wonders of the world around the world to try and make sense of it all. It's not how God made his world. You know, and we we try our best, and and God bless politicians who try their best to make some sense of all of this. But the truth of the matter is, it only makes sense when everything is submitted to the worship of God. Everything is submitted to the worship of God. This is why stuff is coming into the nation uh, nation of Israel. Verse 3, nation shall come to your light. We've said, who, who is the light? God. God, this is why. This is why they're bringing these things. Verse six, they shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news. We talked about that. The praises of the Lord. This is why it's coming. Because God is worthy of worship. And the revelation of that is happening in his world. You know, I was reading in commentary about these passages and one of the commentators, he said this, he said, a holy church will always produce a hungry world. Hungry for Jesus. Hungry for the things of his kingdom. I wonder if that can be a good provocation to us as well. Are our lives so richly set apart to the purposes and the wonder of God? Are we so full of his holiness and his glory that the world around about us is hungry and says, you know, I may have gold, I may have silver, I may have camels. I'm going to surrender it all to the glory of his praise. Hey, 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 come on, children of God, what do you want? What do you want? I tell you, your neighbor could have a Lamborghini. And, you know, we might, be, we might be tempted for a moment to say, oh, I wish I had a Lamborghini. Don't wish that you had a Lamborghini. Wish that your neighbor would surrender that Lamborghini to the praise of God. I have no idea what that looks like. It's a terrible example, isn't it? Maybe we all get a go. I don't know. Um, it's a rubbish example. What's a better example? 
Bible, that's a better example. Matthew chapter 2 and 11. Here is the beginning of the fulfillment of this. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11, we've got some wise men. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Here is Jesus. Not a babe in arms anymore, but a little child. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures... They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. All these things we read about in Isaiah chapter 60, gold, frankincense. Uh, the myrrh speaks of, uh, then of the, the death of Jesus. Silver, I tell you, they probably came on those camels. I don't know, they probably ate fish on the way. Uh, it's all there. This is the beginning of the, 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 the wonders of the world being restored to the king of the world. And you know, the king of the world was just, just a tot, just a little lad. But the wonders of the world started to flood back to him. This is Isaiah, the prophecy coming true. It's coming true. But you know what? It's kind of growing. It's growing. And we want to see all of it, don't we? Don't you want to see the entire earth submitted to the glory of Jesus Christ? Well, then we go again. Uh, we want to wait expectantly, eagerly work towards Revelation 21, verses 24 to 26. Here we go. By its light. Who is the light? Oh, come on. Come on, help me. Who is the light? Okay. By the light of God, by the light of Jesus, will the nations walk. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Okay, this is the city full of the light of God because God is present there. Bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day. We don't have time to mention every fulfillment of prophecy, but you heard that in Isaiah chapter 60. You heard that, your gates, verse 11, shall be open continually day and night, they shall not be shut. Why? Because there's no more fighting to be done. Because people are submitted to the true king. There's no miniature kings trying to foist their will upon the world. Our desire, your and my desire to build our own mini empires, that's gone. Come on, admit it before God. We try and do it all the time, but it's gone. And there's no need to shut the door anymore. There's no war, no fighting. What did Revelation say? Gates never shut and there will be no night there. Still my kids are going to sleep, please Jesus. I don't know how it's going to do it. It's going to do it good. There will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. This is the total fulfillment. You know, we see a bit of it. Some wise men with some gold, frankincense and myrrh. This is how you know it's true. This is how you know it's true. Because Jesus has begun it. So you can have faith that when he says he's going to complete it, he's going to complete it. So don't be envious of the things of this world, of those who thrust and strut and posture and accumulate. Don't be envious of these things. What God grants to you, submit it according to his praise and his worship. Start to live that good news in the world so that others may see. And then they might think, hang on, I might glorify their Father in heaven when I see those good works. This is what the Bible teaches us. Because what God has promised, he has inaugurated in Jesus. He will fulfill, but he's saying... Do I have any children who want to partner with me in this? Do I have any children who want to partner with me in this? Come on, children of God, are you accumulating or are you submitting? 
Do you live according to your lesser light or to his glorious light? Time is marching on. We don't have time for it perhaps. There's another great example in here about building walls in, in verse 10. Foreigners shall build your walls. What's the initial down payment of this? Nehemiah chapter 2, look at it for yourself. The king gives everything that's necessary to build the walls of God's people. Foreign king doesn't really worship God but starts to get it. Wow. And gives them everything they need to build the walls. What's What's the ultimate completion of it? Look at it for yourself. Go to Acts 15. You see a rebuilding of the tent of David with the Gentiles now, all the foreigners, coming in and being part of the building of God's house. We don't have time to look at that. It's really interesting. Have a look at it for yourself. Here's where we want to get to. This is such the fulfillment of everything. Um, The promise coming in part, coming in all its fullness, God working it through his people. The predominant theme of our scripture today is light. Light. And God, verse 1, we've seen it, shines his light on his people. And he makes his people beautiful. Yeah? I think he's doing it. Does anybody want a bit more? Yeah? (laughs) We had a wedding just the other day. People look beautiful at weddings, don't they? Yeah. I am mostly thinking about Grace, a little bit about Sam. He, he looked pretty beautiful. I thought so. He's a beautiful man. God, him making his people beautiful by shining his light on them. That's how he makes us beautiful. Now, how has God begun this? Because Isaiah saw it. He knew a lot of darkness. Oh, goodness, didn't he? It's hard. But how do we know that this is true? How do we know it's true? How has God begun this? Well, John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Jesus comes into the world. Here's how John portrays this to us under the leadership of the Spirit. In him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. You know, you read these words and overcoming is an appropriate word because there's a fight on here. The the Bible teaches us in, in this chapter that the darkness doesn't appreciate or welcome the light. That many, and we must count ourselves amongst that number once upon a time, we wanted to live in darkness. There's a fight, but the light has come. And because the light has shone into your life, you know the freedom from darkness. Oh, I do hope that you do today. Will you receive the light of Jesus Christ today? If there's anyone here today and you're saying, I don't really know much about this, then can I say to you, God wants to shine his beautiful, wondrous light into your life because he loves you. Because he loves you. You know, it's not just some transactional thing. He's not just like, oh, that needs fixing. No, he wants to love you. Oh, you're so grumpy this morning. Has has nobody ever told you they loved you? Come on. Jesus loves you. Oh, how he loves you. And so he has shone his light into this world. This is how we know it's true. And what are we looking for? 
What are we looking for? Revelation 21 again. Verse 23 this time. And the city, this is that the people of God in the place of God, made perfect by God, this city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. It's the truth that we heard in Isaiah 60. It's coming true. It has no need for the sun or the moon, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. That is Jesus. What a glorious light. Oh, he comes into our world, into our darkness, banishing darkness forever. But come on, what he has done, we know it's true. What he's promised when come in all its fullness, he says, okay, well, is there anybody, do I have any children who will shine? Do I have any kids who want to shine with me? Yeah? Matthew 5 and verse 14. You are the light of the world. Yeah? And we know it's only because he shines his light into us, but come on. This is glorious to reflect that, eh? Oh, I'll be Jesus' cat's eye any day of the week. Come on. Reflect. Brilliant. Oh, goodness. I want to share with you a little story. I've shared it with you many, many moons ago. I want to share it again. Um, it's, a, it's about a little village in the state of Illinois. And when I say the name of it, don't get too excited. It's called Wauconda, not Wakanda. Just want to point I know some of you here might get a little excited at that point. It's just a small village in the state of Illinois. But um, for over 40 years, that town, they, they, played, they placed two large illuminated crosses on the city's two water towers every Christmas. They put them up there because they wanted to celebrate Jesus. Now, but one year, the town council received a threat that they would be sued if the crosses were continued because in the US they're supposed to have separation of church and state. So the town council grudgingly had to take them down. Now, here's what happened. This is when the citizens of Wauconda, not Wakanda, the citizens of Wauconda, this is when they took matters into their own hands. They each decided, every home, every place, they each decided to place their own lighted reminders of Christ on their own property. So all over the community, up went crosses and nativity stars and lit up manger scenes and so on and so on and so on. You could see this village apparently from the interstate freeway. Before there were just two council crosses, now the whole place was blazing with light. Uh, the, the guy who shared the story joked that you could see it 100 miles away. All night was as bright as day. There was, as it were, no night. Does that sound familiar? Because the people decided to turn on their own personal lights to the glory of their gods. Christians, a pastor named Tozer put it like this. He said, if my light is not yet large, it is yet real. And there may be others who would light their candle at its flame. You are the light of the world. And you know it's true. Because the light has come into the darkness. And therefore you can believe that there will come that day goosebumps <laughs> you can believe there will be that day when there will be no more darkness no more death no more suffering no more pain no more greed no more inequality no more hurt Jesus is coming and so you can live today 
in the truth of the light of Christ and in the belief of the light of his coming again. Jesus, how will we live? How will we live? Oh, how will we live? Christian, do you realize, Philippians 3.20, do you realize your citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power, zap, that enables him to subject all things to himself. Do you know who you are? Do you know what he has done? Do you know what he will do? Do you know what he wants to do with you today and tomorrow and all the days that he grants you on this earth as he is making all things new? Oh, better a thousand millions of lights than than one light. Jesus said, it's better for me to go to the Father. When I go, I'm going to ask him to send the Holy Spirit in my name. Is anyone here full of the Spirit of God? Oh, invite him all the more so. Come on, this is better because you get to shine in your street. Jesus never walked down your street, but you do every day. You get to shine in your home. And maybe Jesus will come back and, you know, just briefly come to your home before he pops to Jerusalem. No, 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 he probably won't Uh, but you're there full of the spirit of God where you work I was going to say where you go to school but who cares about school you're on holiday hallelujah Um, but wherever you are Jesus Christ in you the hope of glory we do not lose sight of the fact. Read it for yourself, verse 16. It is God who will accomplish all these things. Read it for yourself, verse 22. He will do so in his right time. He will hasten the fullness of these completions. But he says to you, are you mine? <laughs> Genuinely thought you'd all yell amen. He says to you, are you mine? Come on, don't do it to please me. Do you mean it? Do you mean it? Are you the Lord's? Are you the Lord's? Are you the Lord's? Is such wealth as he gives to you submitted to his worship? Do you recognize that you once were far off and yet he brought you in Gentiles, added to his kingdom? You get to build those walls. My goodness, what a a grace. Do you realize that the light has shone into your life and you are the light of the world? Oh, I feel encouraged. I'm encouraged. Would you stand with me? Thank you. Just in a moment or two as we draw to a close, we get to... um, We get to present our, our offerings, those financial even as we present our offerings of our lives. As we prepare to do all these things, can I read to you just one last passage of worship? And I just invite you, would you just close your eyes, those natural, uh, and maybe however you can, open the eyes of your heart just to perceive Jesus. Can we do that? And right now, can I encourage you, just pray to God. And say, oh Jesus, you who have shone into my life, would you shine some more? 
just invite his light to shine into your life. We need this, don't we? I want to read you these words of worship as we come to celebrate him before we go. Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Church, if you want to thank Jesus for the light of life shining into your life, would you begin to just go ahead and do so right now? Can we do that?